Christ is still the King. Welcome to the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr on Iowa Catholic Radio. Every Wednesday, diving deep in the truth of the Catholic Church and restoring all things in Christ. The Uncommon Good, live from the Mercy Live Up Studio. The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Bo Bonner. I'm Bud Marr. We are coming to you live from Earth, United States. <laughs> Different places therein, but out in the hinterlands of the Pennsylvania wilderness, Pittsburgh, where they no longer have playoff teams playing. Oh. De- Bo from Des Moines, Mercy Live Up Studio. We don't even have playoff teams, bud. So, you know, uh, what it's Shakespeare, right? It's better to have played and lost to an inferior team than never played at all. Uh, 90, uh, coming to you, 1150 AM, 88.5 FM, 94.5 FM, streaming live, iowacatholicradio.com. And if you have the Iowa Catholic Radio app from Blessman Ministries and the People's Abstract Company, you can listen to us anywhere that a football team is losing that is supposed to win. So, Bud, I mean, French fries a little soggy this week, huh? Oh, man. I thought Nebraskans were crazy about their football, but, well, I, I don't know if you watched the game, Bo. There were some egregiously poor calls by the Steelers coaching staff. Yes. I think the way that Bill Simmons put it on social media was that a uh, his nine-year-old playing Madden football could have handled the last, you know, two minutes better than Tomlin at all did. So it was bad. So in that mix, I have to say we're making – are we making a Tomlin-like decision because our guest – is the first Pittsburgher all-star for the show. That means someone who's came back, who's been on before, Brandon McGinley. Is he even going to, like, have the courage to pick up the phone and talk? Uh, I think he's, I would say Brandon, as far as I can tell, is feeling a bit down this week, but he's a little jaded about NFL football in general. I know he was one of the more vociferous critics of 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 the call that hurt the Steelers against the Patriots ah. so maybe for him there's a, a silver lining that he didn't even want to see the charade that would have gone down in Fark, Foxborough this weekend so let's uh let's crown the Patriots now yeah just get it over with everyone <laughs> can have February 2nd off right <laughs> well you know what I think uh, at the very least we can we can be there to be, you know, good Christian friends and assuage his soul and take his mind off of it. There you go. As always, brought to you uh, by Cartridge World, Cartridge World industry leader, right here in Des Moines. If you need anything uh, that involves printing, you know how much ink costs, and they're there to help folks in Windsor Heights. Uh, plenty of ways to go and, and visit them. And uh, like you said uh, before, Bud, you always like to point out in unique ways. Um, in which people can use uh, the cheap, uh, not cheap, the inexpensive cartridges at Cartridge World to uh, celebrate. So we can just print out uh, New England Patriots 2018 <laughs> champions, you know, like with the old dot matrix pin- printers, you know, I'm imagining the tractor feed and everything like that. Yeah, I, you know, this is the most administrative role that I've ever had work-wise, and I, so I understand the role that the Cartridge World's play in the world and then also mercy college of health sciences as always uh we're really getting trucking uh with the semester it's been lots of fun um but uh the fun continues and the public can be involved coming up here soon um thursday february 8 6 p.m we have our third faith and healing speaker and it is none other than our uh bishop here in des moines uh bishop pates is going to 
Uh, you know, I don't want to say send off his career because, you know, there's all sorts of technicalities about these things. But he did say he's evidently coming off uh, quite a few commitments with, like, the USCCB and things like this. And so I, I think we really get to get, you know, his first sort of jump on his reflective tour about all that he's done. So he's going to talk about St. Francis's understanding of the church, but we're really, really, really leaning on him to tell us stories of him uh, globetrotting and telling uh, some of his stories about his life. So, yeah, February 8th on that Thursday. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, you know, bishops these days have a lot on their plate, and it's always um, nice to me when one of our shepherds, you know, is out in the community. So I hope Catholics in Des Moines take advantage of that opportunity to hear some about Bishop Pate's life. And I, I know we always reserve time for question and answer afterwards, so it should be a good conversation. And as Buds always puts out, Heavy enough hors d'oeuvres that you could probably make a dinner of it. So right. we've already talked about it. Brandon McGinley is going to be on the show. Um, so he is many things. Uh, it's you, when you look on uh, the the old website and you see someone listing multiple hats, you go, you, your heart goes out to him. You know that they're involved in Catholic things. Um, he is an editor uh, at EWTN's uh, imprint that they share with uh, Sophia Press. Uh, but he's also an extensive writer. And uh, I think, really, Bud, when you say there's uh, the the reason we're having him on, the occasion, we should say, is there's a new website, newish, called Fair Forward, in which he wrote an article about de- detachment parenting that made the rounds quite a bit. So um, I think he will have plenty of interesting things to say on this note. Yeah, I think Brandon is an important uh, younger voice in Catholic thought today, and I know I'm always challenged by his writing. Uh, he did publish that piece in Fair Forward, like you said, and I know the that website is trying to get the word out that they're going to be um, doing more pieces like that, and really, you know, I want to become a place where some of this important conversation is, is taking place. So that's what we're going to talk about when we get back from the break. Detachment parenting, and by this, I mean, it means a whole host of things, but the idea is when we think about our roles as Catholic parents, um, what does that actually mean? It's going to mean something very different than the rest of society, um, and it precisely has to do with what we think um, the common good and the destiny of humans are. It's going to be a fascinating talk, folks, so stick around. We'll be back in a minute with Brad McGinley, Bud Marbo Bonner, The Uncommon Good. Ladies, our next Mosaic Luncheon will feature Cindy Shaw, co-director of the Emmaus House. She will offer us a look into the ministries of Emmaus House, its history, and an overview of Ignatian spirituality. The luncheon will be on Thursday, February 8th at St. Mary's of Nazareth Church in Des Moines. Doors open at 1130, and the lunch and program go from 12 to 1. Join us for food, fellowship, and an inspiring presentation. Reserve your seat today at iowacatholicradio.com or call 223-1150 and make your souls active in Christ. Thank you, Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, for underwriting Catholic Women Now. As an authorized independent agent, Cindy's team can provide health insurance options from Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. Cindy Schulte at 1315 50th Street in West Des Moines or on the web at cindyschulte.com. 515-226-2111. Cindy and her team know health insurance. Wellmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa is an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Support for The Uncommon Good is provided by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. Perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available 
Products are guaranteed or full replacement. Cartridge World, your low-cost, environmentally friendly printing experts. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400 and online at cartridgeworld.com. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports is provided by Two Rivers Glass and Door. Providing commercial glass and aluminum storefronts. 515-222-4860. Joe at tworiversglass.com. Back with the Uncommon Good, Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr. We are going to go and speak with our newest all-star in the show, our first Pittsburgher all-star, Brandon McGinley. Brandon McGinley, a writer and editor especially, uh, that, with editing uh, with EWTN um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His writing appears all over the place, National Review, Human Life Review, the Catholic Herald, Scottish Catholic Observer, and the C- Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette, First Things, Public Discourse of the Week. Another word for this is Brandon makes friends and keeps them, and uh, they ask him to talk about what he has on his mind. Specifically for today, uh, Fair Forward, a newer website uh brandon uh put uh, wrote the article detachment parenting that people are talking about all over the place and that's what we're going to talk about today brandon welcome again to the show thank you so much for having me bill um like i said our condolences to uh you know how football went we can understand <laughs> how hard those things are so thank you for just soldiering through and talking to us today yeah, well, now I can focus on my preferred sport anyway, uh, hockey. Yeah, um, and Des Moines people understand hockey, not so much Okies here. I think it's fun, <laughs> I, but, you know, good for you guys. So, <laughs> fair for it. So, the, the detachment parenting article, you know, I, I was joking that you, you've written in a lot of different places, and uh, I myself know that you kind of send out things into the world and one that you like, no one will ever mention, and one that you cooked up in five minutes will be everyone's favorite. Uh, what, what were you thinking about? This one's really has been making the rounds. I've seen all sorts of different people talking about it. Um, what do you think it is about this article that's sort of sparking uh, people's interest? Yeah, um, I, yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I think that. Well, I mean, I guess I'll just describe to you what I was what I was trying to do, and I and my hope is that what I was trying to do is what people liked, which is I was trying to counter a particular narrative. And there's a narrative that essentially when you, uh, especially especially as a, as a man, when you have children and you become a father, um, your politics are supposed to shift towards a uh, kind of uh, embrace of stability, towards more conventional politics. You're supposed to no longer think about anything... Uh, um, you know, politically speaking, that would kind of rock the boat because now you have kids and you have a responsibility for family and you're supposed to be thinking about trying to make sure everything is as stable as possible so that your kids will be able to, to thrive going forward. And this has not been my experience. My experience has actually been one where, where as, you know, as, as fatherhood came along, I found myself more interested in less conventional politics, more interested in thinking rather than trying to figure out how to keep what, what we're doing going as, as stably as possible, what would the really deeply, authentically Catholic politics look like? And it wouldn't look a lot like what we see right now. And and so my view and my, my intent was to say, you know, if we're uh, that that fatherhood, that thinking about the good of the family, the good of the uh, of, of your own family, can in fact cause you to think much more much more radically about politics, broadly speaking. Uh, and in, in my case, I, I argued from the um, 
from the uh, speaking of the the virtue of detachment. That's why it's called detached parenting. And I don't want my children ever to think that attachment to the present order of things, that not getting too crosswise with the present order is something that they should worry too much about. Um, of course, prudence demands that, that we, we live as best we can within the, the, the political order that we are in, but uh, from a father's perspective, specifically from a father's perspective, I wanted to argue that, um, that thinking... Um, Thinking more broadly, thinking more radically about what the Catholic politics looks like is is uh, is, is quite a reasonable thing to do. Brandon, uh, Mrs. Bud, when when Catholics sometimes point out the um, the shortcomings or the limitations of the system that, like the order that we're presently in, the rebuttal that I hear sometimes is that we're nostalgic for a past that never existed, or it's you know people say like, well, it's ironic because you've benefited from the liberal order, and we'd actually be miserable in a society that we're describing. Or sometimes okay. we even get labeled with, you know, the dreaded charge of being integralist or something. I mean, what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of response do you have to, uh, to those who push back in that direction? Um, Harvard law professor Adrian Vermeule had a great article in the Catholic Herald um, a couple weeks ago. Um, and, and I think there were some ways in which the article succeeded and others... Uh, and that it did not quite succeed. However, uh, the, the rhetorical move he made is a good one, which is that those who favor maintaining the present order as best as we possibly can, who favor the, the liberal order and trying to accommodate ourselves to the liberal order as best as we possibly can, um, they suffer from nostalgia as much, if not more, than those who favor a more li- radical approach. Um, they are nostalgic for an era, whether it is 1980s under Ronald Reagan, the 1950s before the quote-unquote sexual revolution, um, of quote, kind of a, a good liberalism, when, when things were, when uh, we, we still had the, uh, the kind of the classical liberal order that we have now, but things were good. And if only we could get back to that. But we can't go back. There's no going back to that. And it was never quite as good as they make it out to be. And so, to my mind, the nostalgia requires actually having lived through or having some, you know, kind of experiential knowledge of the thing you want to go back to. And for a lot of folks, they really do want to go back to a time that was in, it's in their memory. Um, but the more radical approach, sure, it is based on, it can be based on an kind of idealistic view of a pre-liberal era of, uh, of, of the Middle Ages or, or, of, uh, or of some other, some other kind of deeply, deeply Catholic moment or political system. But that is not what I see in the people who are actually arguing it. I think it's something that is applied to them. But what I see in the people who are actually talking about this are, what can we learn from those pre-liberal times? What can we learn from those times when the Church had more authority and apply that to the 21st century? And so I don't think that's nostalgia at all. And, and, and I think that you see, actually see more nostalgia um, from, from the folks who, who are a bit more uh, into a, uh, accommodation with, with the way things are. Brandon, this is fantastic stuff. Let me take a step back, and you can step back with me. Um, for people who might not um, be up on some of these political terms, I want to make sure we're clear. When we talk about the yeah. liberal order or even liberalism, we in no way mean, we're not, just like this show has always tried to do, to get a level deeper than sort of the surface politics. This is not an idea between um, liberal or conservative as seen in the right. sort of parties. Um, the liberal order, depending on what you're talking about, stems back from, you know, 16, 1700s onward. 
um, the philosophers, you know, Locke and people like this. But in general, what we're talking about is um, how we think order works, how we think authority works, and what's the church's role in all of these things. And right. and when we talk about radicalism, again, that usually gets understood um, as <laughs> leftist politics, whatever. Right. The word I like to point out comes from you know the Latin radix, which is root, right? So yeah. when we talk about being radical, and especially as a dad, I like how you put this, you're right. You start to be radical as a dad, not like in the 80s groovy way, like radical bro. You, you actually right, lose right. that very quickly. Um, <laughs> but what you start to do is go, well, let's get to the root of these things. If I'm going to be responsible for these little humans, what do I at root have to do? And yeah. if I ex- yeah. if I ha- if it's my job to stand between the world and make sure that you know the world helps my kids get to heaven, the radical question is, what am I to do? And so I think it's great to, that you to point these things out because nostalgia is a sort of optimism that says we you know we had it, it kind of faded away, but we can get back there. The radical answer is there will always be the devil tempting us some way. And if we are not prepared to see him like a crouching lion going after our kids, man, we're already falling asleep at the job. And and yeah. maybe we, you know, maybe some of us who, who, who ask these questions can look back at an age, like you said, we didn't live and uh, color it with rose-petaled glasses. But this, the idea is to ask radical questions at root. And I, and I yeah. think that that's what sometimes puts people off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, it's a, it's, I've become used to, to speaking of liberalism in the classical sense rather than in the Democratic Party sense, and, and I'm glad that, that you made that um, clarification. And and I think, you know, I think when we think about that, when we think about kind of liberalism, broadly speaking, the liberal order, you know, it manifests itself in many different ways. And I think it's important to recognize that the way it manif- has manifested itself in the United States has in, often, in, in many ways, been more sustainable and more friendly to the Church than it has in other places. Um, but that doesn't mean that it, that it will always be that way. It doesn't mean that it's that way right now. And, and then when you get a little bit more controversial, it doesn't mean that it could have ever been sustainable. Um, but my view is essentially that you know, the, way, the, the way our political system and our, our political culture treats the Church as a kind of you know, identity that you that you can embrace one hour on Sundays, but don't dare bring into the public square. My view is is that, regardless of if there was ever a time whenever it was more friendly uh, to the church than it is now, there is no going back. Once once liberalism has secularized, that's it. Um, I don't think there's a way to go back. The the the, the metaphor I like to use is that. Um, is that uh, the system had now has antibodies against um, uh, against re-Christianization, and so um, and so in some ways, whenever we talk about you know, are we going to try to accommodate ourselves more to this order in order to try to make it more sustainable, or are we going to radically question it? Uh, to my mind, in, in some ways, the, the question is almost moot because the system is. Is, is dying, <laughs> and so understanding it is important um, because understanding what has been is important to understand how to move forward. 
Um, but uh, but I, I wouldn't get too hung up on trying to, to save a terminal patient at this point. You're listening to The Uncommon Good on Iowa Catholic Radio with Bill Bonner and Bud Marr. Our guest this morning is Brandon McGinley, who's recently published a piece in Fair Forward uh, entitled Detachment Parenting. Brandon, before we move to kind of some brass tacks topics, um, like still keeping the broader picture in view, um, when when you and Bo were talking a few minutes ago, um, the, there's a couple passages that came to mind. One is like our Lord saying to his followers, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. There's mm-hmm. also the parable where um, a servant gets chided for uh, uh, other servants collect um, debts that are owed to the master. One of the servants buries his treasure and then just presents that back to the master, and the idea is like, well, you sat on your talents. Um, this is, <laughs> I'm making an exegetical move here that might not be warranted, but I could see some Catholics like reading passages like that from Scripture and saying in response, like, sure, I know the politics that we have is corrupt or that these two options that are presented to me on the ballot are, are imperfect, but this is what we have to work with. And I guess you were starting mm-hmm. to get into that with your last answer, but do um, you see, like, this is a matter of prudence, and I could see someone saying, like, well, this is the best we can do right now. Uh, wh- yeah. what might, how might you respond? Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are prudential options on the table when it comes to how to deal with, deal with things. And I think different people are called to, to different responses. Some people really are called to be in the arena fighting for religious freedom and so on and so forth in, in politics right now as it stands. And I think there's value in that, and I don't want to denigrate that yeah. at all. Um, uh, I, I did it a little bit um, in my in my in parts of my career, and um, and I wouldn't have done it if I thought it wasn't worthwhile. Um, but uh, at the same time, I, I don't think I don't think that um, uh, I don't think that 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 the fact that that is valuable does not mean that it's not valuable also to be thinking more radically. I think these two things can go hand in hand, although. Sometimes the discourse um, doesn't doesn't necessarily allow it because um, you know the, the the most you see this in the pro life movement you see this in so many things sometimes the bitterest political arguments are those among people who broadly agree because you mm. think you you feel like you have the same goal in mind and when you disagree about tactics or when you disagree about strategy it can seem like the other person is threatening the goal that you both hold in common. Um, and so that, that can mean that internecine political arguments can, can be uh, the most bitter. No way. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to see that. We're going to see that. Um, and, and there are going to be times when there's going to be no way around it because sometimes the, the disagreements are, you know, are, are so fundamental that, you know, they have to be just hashed out and sometimes in a, you know, kind of bloody way. But, um, but I, I think that at the end of the day, at least I hope that, um, kind of, you know, faith, faith in, in goodwill will prevail and, um, and, uh, you know, and, and these conversations will, will take on the tenor of, of, you know, people working toward, trying to work towards, um, Try to work towards, if not the same end, work towards an end that that we can agree, um, you know, is is sought in goodwill. You know, Brandon, I, this is I, I love you bringing this up, and especially with the the word detachment. 
Um, detachment gets, um, I mean, like all things, there's a, a, an excess and a deficiency in understanding most uh, Catholic doctrines. And certainly we all know the people who, and this has happened multiple times, whether this has been, uh, you know, Constantine with Christendom, with whatever, you see the sort of millenarist, uh, the uh, the type of idea that like radically you have to give up everything and have no attachments and this you know right. th- this goes within Catholicism but you know you look at the, like the the Shaker movement or whatever in Protestantism where people right. will just do this to the eleventh degree but certainly the opposite thing is to clutch too tightly to the things of this world which is what I think you're getting at and yeah. uh, that in politics you know it starts to make sense like if you've been holding this you know politics in any age is a tool that can be used for the kingdom of God until it isn't being used for the kingdom of God. But if you've clutched that tool, you know, white knuckle your entire life, and so all of a sudden you have a bunch of young whippersnappers saying, it's time to let it go, I really empathize. I understand why that seems like like the, the most terrible thing to do. All I have for people is my white trash past here, Brandon. Because what I point out is what the what I'm going to give the white trash an A plus money in Oklahoma is when you get money you spend that money for detachment reasons why because the man can come and take it all away so if you're talking yeah. about if you're talking about better brands of paganism that can be you know blessed I this I, I and I, you know I'm and I'm half tongue in cheek here of course but sure, I bring this no, up I, I bring this up in my classes all the time I'm like you know what. The per, you know the prodigal son goes home because eventually he runs out of money because he hasn't <laughs> he hasn't held too tightly to his riches and he gets yeah. forgiven. the The other brother is holding on to stuff, and it's yeah. not that we shouldn't use the things of the world for the sake of the kingdom, but are we willing to let them go when the time comes? And to me, yeah. that is a very hard lesson to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there are a few things that I, I've been thinking about as you've been talking. One of them, as you were alluding to there, is that um, detachment doesn't just... Detachment, I, I, I like to think of it as kind of the, a Catholic version of the Protestant virtue of thrift, but whereas thrift focused primarily on saving money in order to... What I want to do when I think of attachment, and this is now, this is a little bit this is a little tangential to the article, but when I think of attachment and detachment, I think what detachment as a virtue allows us to do is kind of break the cycle of consumerism. Right. And I think that the, the the kind of American Protestant virtue of thrift does not do that because it's not ordered towards breaking the cycle of consumerism. It's ordered to consuming later. Yeah, doing saying, it better. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yes, exactly. It's saying, I'm going to save money now. So I can spend money later. Yeah. And it's still ordered towards wealth. It's still ordered towards, uh, towards kind of, it's ordered towards attachment, I would argue. Um, and, and so I, I don't, so I actually think that sometimes spending money, as you said, can actually be a form of detachment because you're not hoarding that. I would, you know, I, I've been willing to write something about this, but an example, you know, for my own life would be like, we, if you actually added up the amount of money we spend on ice cream in a particular summer, <laughs> it would probably Dave Ramsey's head would light on fire. Oh, you know? Dave Ramsey! Just... Dave Ramsey is mad at the Bonner family, and he doesn't even <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't even know us. Yes, right, right. But I want my kids to be able to have had the experience of walking down the street to get ice cream. And yes, it's more expensive to get at the ice cream store than getting it at Aldi, but that's a fun experience. And I don't want to cling so tightly to to the budget. 
that that the kids feel like that you know that they they aren't having this this kind of very this kind of very childlike experience. So, um, but that's 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 kind of going a little bit far afield. Um, but uh, yeah, so when it comes to you know attachment and detachment, when it comes to politics, then um, um, you know what I mean. What I'm what I what I want to say then is that it it only takes kind of a, a, a little bit. It only takes a, a little bit. Of um, of accommodation to especially in the mind of a child to kind of build up into these things or these these uh, these secular things these uh, um, whether it's politics or whatever are as important or uh, more important than yeah than, than the faith they become um, equated very easily right. in a child's mind I'm I'm sorry for interrupting I just this literally happens all the time where like my kids will report back something that they think I think is important and I'm all like I don't think that's important at all I mean I'm a hippie I'm a hippie humanities major why do you kids care but but yeah they 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 do that they make their own assumptions sorry for interrupting I just that was a great point no 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 that that, that that's that's great um yeah well by so, the way this show is brought to you by I was gonna say an ice cream parlor but... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're getting ready to go to the break, Brandon, and uh, I hope you can join us after the break. The, sure. What I what I think about, sorry to use Led Zeppelin lyrics on a Catholic show, but uh, you know the the when the levee breaks, Mama, you have to move. And the reason that I thought of that is also scripture, right? You can put all of the grain in the barn that you want, but if your life is called for you that evening, it won't matter. And so there's obviously this idea like. I'm the dad. I can't make it where we like consume my entire paycheck in three days on ice cream. No one is saying right, that. Right. But on the other hand, I would be silly if I act like if I just figured it out well, I can assure my kids a good life with no difficulties and the levy never breaking. But the yeah. levy's going to break whether you, you know what I'm saying, right? And and that's yep, that's absolutely. what we have to to, to come. And to grips Bo, with. Bo, what's great is when you reached for that um, burning the paycheck <laughs> three days on ice cream. I could tell you didn't have to like think too far back. Well, it wasn't ice cream. It, it was it was smoked meats. But at any rate, the point being is it's time to go to break because now I see I'm being attacked about my barbecue frequency choices. So no, this is the uncommon good. We'll be back uh, after uh, this uh, break. Well, we hope you stick around. Ladies, our next Mosaic Luncheon will feature Cindy Shaw, co-director of the Emmaus House. She will offer us a look into the ministries of Emmaus House, its history, and an overview of Ignatian spirituality. The luncheon will be on Thursday, February 8th at St. Mary's of Nazareth Church in Des Moines. Doors open at 11.30, and the lunch and program go from 12 to 1. Join us for food, fellowship, and an inspiring presentation. Reserve your seat today at iowacatholicradio.com or call 223-1150 and make your souls active in Christ. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports is provided by Two Rivers Glass and Door, providing commercial glass and aluminum storefronts. 515-222-4860. Joe at tworiversglass.com. Support for The Uncommon Good is provided by Cartridge World. Cartridge World is an industry leader delivering high-performance printing products that help you save time, money, and print great. Perfect for businesses, home offices, college students, or busy moms trying to find affordable printing supplies including ink, toner, paper, or printers. For business customers, pickup and delivery are available. Products are guaranteed or full replacement. Cartridge World, your low-cost, environmentally friendly printing experts. 801 73rd Street in Windsor Heights, 515-564-7400 and online at cartridgeworld.com. 
Thank you, Blessman International, for sponsoring the Iowa Catholic Radio app. If you have always wanted to share the compassionate heart of Christ with orphans and vulnerable children around the world, Blessman International leads teams from around the United States to South Africa every year. Their feeding programs are also providing nutritional support to nearly 7,500 children each week. Teams are forming now. So to learn how you can go on a life-changing trip, go to blessmaninternational.org or call 515-343-5920. Welcome back to The Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr, we are speaking with our Pittsburgh All-Star guest, Brandon McGinley, uh, particularly about a new article he has out at Fair Forward, Detachment Parenting. Brandon, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, no problem. So when it comes to this idea of detachment parenting, um, I think the first uh, image that might come to some people's mind is that what you're saying is, you know, beating up on the old saw of the helicopter parent. And I know that I <laughs> myself have been, um, uh, want, or, you know, I, I, I do that one a bit too, you know, like helicopter parenting. And then I look at my own life and I'm probably more worried about my kids than I want to lead on. I'd actually say that this is not where you're going at all. People might be surprised when they read that you're not going after the idea that we care, you know, that we, we arrange everything for our kids. Maybe that's a different idea for a different day. What is the, the as Bud said, the brass tax way that you're imagining people to take the, the, the message of your article and do something practical about how they parent? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, 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 title of the, article, the title of the article was more wordplay than, than anything. However, there is a connection. Um, and one of the one of the big things that I, I want to emphasize um, when it comes to practicality, you know, this wasn't you know wasn't what I set out to do in the article, but there's so much to be said about you know how how does how does parenting actually work you know in this world while we are kind of in in but not of it. Um, but one of the one of the things that we've been really blessed with uh, in our situation is having made other Catholic friends who are in similar stage of life. Um, many of whom now live very close to us, live in our in our neighborhood, and and so I, I think that that this this has been really good for us, both in the sense of detachment from kind of um, from the the the, um, the political order, and that we are able to kind of build a little community of our own, but also detachment more broadly speaking, uh, in that um, we are able to practice. Things like you know, hospitality on a regular basis, and 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 um, and you know things like when we go to the store, it's it's expected that uh, certainly you know if you have if you have a free moment to, to to reach out to everybody else in the neighborhood and say does anybody need anything, and there's no expectation of being paid back unless it's like something huge unless you know <laughs> unless you're unless you're you know, I need a car, the, Brandon. By the way, just, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> And so, um, but I, w- I want to focus on the hospitality um, because proximity is really important to that, for that too. That the fact that a lot of us live, live near one another, and so we're always seeing one another, and you know, having people over for dinner or for lunch or for brunch or whatever, and it just becomes part of your a part of your everyday life. First of all, this this has to do with um, with the kind of helicopter parenting thing because. You know, if if God willing, you're blessed with a reasonably large family, it's simply impossible to helicopter parent. But when you have people around who you trust and who are kind of part of your community, 
then it makes it a lot easier. You always know you have support. You, you have other people who are doing similar things, who are trying similar things, who are experimenting in different ways in their parenting style. And you can see that develop through time. And you can have people over, and you have more eyes on children, and sometimes fewer eyes on children because, you know, there are some older kids who can kind of help out. And everything just kind of works in an organic way. Um, rather than this kind of, you said, white-knuckle, you're talking about political, there's also kind of like white-knuckle parenting, where you're just like constantly stressed out about everything, and oh my goodness, I need to keep an eye on everything. And that's simply impossible once you get beyond, you know, two or three kids. And um, but it's easier and more natural, I think, when we have other people around who can, who can help out with that. But it also then serves detachment in the sense of detachment from worldliness, in that this kind of constant give, constant give and take is very foreign to a culture that is always thinking in terms of quid pro quos, always thinking in terms of what am I going to get in return, always exchanges and contracts and making sure that I get my due. But in a true friendship, and certainly when you build that out to, to several families, that's impossible. You can't possibly keep track. You can't possibly keep a ledger of all of the giving and, and receiving. And to do so would be antisocial. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, I'm just imagining a big whiteboard with what? right, right, exactly. We owe we owe the you know we, we owe the Millers this, and they owe us that. It just doesn't make sense. And like I said, even even if you could do it, it would be gravely antisocial to the way the whole thing is supposed to work. Um, and so, and so I think that um, that kind of getting accustomed to giving without the expectation of return, um, just by the nature of the fr- kind of friend group, is is something that is really, um, that, that, that certainly, uh, I can think for myself, has helped me to, 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 um, to grow in that, in that virtue in a way that is radical in the sense that it is radically different from the way the world is supposed to work. You're supposed to be always looking out for your own good. You're supposed to always be looking for that quid pro quo. But once you get used to it, it's actually super easy and can be done, in a, and can be done without you know, radically challenging the system. Um, but I, I do think that that kind of, those kind of habits of giving are one of the more subversive things that we can do in, in a culture that's always thinking in terms of exchange. This is the Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. We're speaking with Brandon McGinley, and I am going to have to you know, owe Bud here because I'm jumping in order to ask another question. And uh, other people are going to owe me because I'm going <laughs> to hit a hobby horse <laughs> of mine. You know how in <laughs> tweeting, if you like talk about something but don't like name it or like mention the person, it's subtweeting. So I'm about yeah. to I'm, I'm going to subtweet a bigger conversation. Sure. Let's say there's a group of people who think that what we need to do is go into strategic retreat, Brandon. <laughs> let's say... Oh, what could you be talking yeah, about? Yeah, let's say there's a big book about it. The thing that I love about your detachment and why I think it's right is because you've never mentioned retreating options, anything like this. Indeed, it seems to me this detachment can happen right in the middle of whatever's going on. I mean, and, and throughout all time, but even our... Like you just got done saying... There's not a need to classify what we do symbiotically in opposition to what the world is doing. It's just what we're going to do. And the sort of magnanimity involved, the greatness of soul, and then the apatheia, right? Like the divine apathy, like we're just, we're not going to worry. It's the honey badger church, right? It doesn't matter what's going on. We're going to do this, you know, come what may. 
And I think that that's what is like I, until today. I mean, I've had more colorful ways that I can't say on radio that I've tried to approach this with people. Um, but detachment seems like the good word that you can use uh, to anyone that we just we just don't have to care about some of these things that we thought we always did. Don't yeah. worry about it. Just go yeah. try to figure out how to live together. Don't worry about like buying your next house because it's in the right neighborhood or it's the right house. Try yeah. to figure out how to be around each other. Um, <clears throat> yep. And, and, and so I, I think for me, in, like you said, the, the, <laughs> the Catholic moment now has quite a few rather uh, bloody fights going on where people are mm-hmm. close but not the same. And this is clearly yep. one. Um, I think that I'm going to at least appropriate, if not steal, your idea here because I think that's exactly what people need to hear. St. Benedict was detached from the world. He didn't retreat from it. Right. Yes. 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 I think that's a, I think that's a very good distinction. You know, I, I don't, we don't need a brand name for, for, for what, for what, uh, Amen. for what living in, in liberalism is, is supposed to look like. Um, in fact, it's a deeply liberal thing to try to brand it. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, this is something that I, I want to write about. I may even do it very soon. I'm not sure, but, one of the distinctions that we've been working through as friends is, are we building a capital C community, or are we just being friends? And I, my cast of mind, my disposition is to think in grand terms. So I'm always thinking in terms of capital C community. But for most of my friends, um, and this is something that's challenged me and that I've been thinking a lot about, is we're just being friends, right? but just being friends the best way we can, which is including building something that may look to the outside world like a capital C community because there's so little of that in the world around us. But we don't need to, like, be creating PowerPoints to share with others about what our big model is for life. We're just living. Um, and And I think that that's a really important distinction, and I think that when we're thinking about creating the kind of communities that can endure within the current way, of, within the kind of current order of things, um, friendship has to be the baseline. You, there may be there may be situations in which the community can foster friendship, which community comes first and then friendship comes later, and, and it may be that that. You know, it comes to a point where that becomes something we really have to learn how to do. But until that moment, when at all possible, friendship is must be the basis for 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 community, um, because friendship, true friendship, is where trust is given, and thus trust is increased. Um, and uh, and it's not never perfect. It's never perfect. Got to go into it with eyes wide open. But um, but I think that's where I think that's where the rubber meets the road, and not strictly speaking, capital C community. Brandon Bo and I both have a great admiration for um, Russell Hittinger, the natural law philosopher, uh-huh. and he makes this point that um, like the church has this great tradition of Catholic social teaching. One of the real difficulties for the church today is that in previous eras, sometimes the enemy was so clear. Like if you're facing communism or something, you know? Right. In our day, he said what the church is working through is how to how to identify the soft despotism of the state, like these more like subtle and insidious ways that 
it encroaches upon our lives. And I think about that. So Bo and I taught at Mercy College, and it's a health sciences institution. It's connected to a medical center. So we saw firsthand the way that the state says, you know, like, pinch a little incense here or whatnot. But sometimes when it comes to our lives on a day-to-day basis, you know, it it is easy to kind of lull yourself to sleep. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts about the ways the existing order encroaches on the authority of the Church and Christ at a very local level, even in the way that Catholics, you know, live out their family life. Yeah. Um, Um. I would add that it's you know the state the state and the market work together in this regard. Um, that uh, that you know the the when we talk about the liberal order, it's not just it's not just the federal government. Um, it's also you know the federal government and uh, and the uh, you know the marketplace that that claims to enhance freedom and sometimes in some respects does. I don't want to gainsay that too much, um, but at the same time. Is uh, you know is restricting freedom for for, for people who are less visible. Um, but that being said, um, I think I think that uh, I think that our the way we live, the way the way kind of our, our politics and our economy are set up, teaches a particular lesson about what the good life is, um, and it is one in which self. Um, actualization, autonomy, is the greatest good. I think that what, and, and, and this is not, this is going to be a bit abstract, probably a bit more abstract than what you were hoping for, but this tends to be the way I think about things. I, I think that, I think that both when it comes to the way the, the state um, kind of interferes in, in, the, in civil society and the way the market interferes in civil society, um, that disintegration the separation of what should be whole is one of the, the, the leading kind of markers of, 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 the, of, of what liberalism does, of what the liberal order does. And we think of that very often in terms of separating families. Um, we, we think of people as, as radical individuals rather than as family units, but it also separates families from the wider community. At the same time that we think too much often about individuals, I think we think too often about the nuclear family against the community rather than the nuclear family as part of the community. Right. Well, building each other up. Yeah. So, and, yeah, that's cool. And, and, sorry. And, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It just, and then, uh, even more abstractly, I think that we then are told that we are to think about faith as something separate from uh, our participation in, 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 in the public square. And so we are supposed to live out our faith by going to Mass once for one hour on Sundays, but that then we're supposed to separate that out, disintegrate a part of our own personality with a religious self, and then we have a secular self. So I, I think that I think that, that that kind of disintegration, both of persons and then within persons, is the is one of the things that really marks our our culture. So you know, Brandon, what immediately that makes me think of is. In order to do that, you have to tell a lie about yourself. This lie is yeah. that you choose who you are, and that yeah. uh, everything about marketing—you you know, people—and and it's just like you said, it's not just marketing. This is this goes all over economy, education, how we think of politics, things like this. There keeps being this idea that like you choose who you are and you choose your identity, and this is you being self-made. But if you actually look at the sociology of all of this. It really falls into very nearly deterministic lines about how people yeah. do these things. So to think about that, 
and and going back to what you said about you know what comes first community or the friends or like should we call ourselves a community or whatnot um i'm gonna go back to this this is the last time you were here we said the same thing the best model is an infection model like we need nasty rash (laughs) contagious catholicism because what happens is friendship is contagious And, and and sociologists admit this that when you see people starting to behave in a certain way it's not rational actors like sitting down and punching the numbers it's yeah. if you come in contact with certain groups of people you become like that and yep. that's what we have to be really mindful of as catholics is that you know i, I was thinking about the word um everybody talks about wanting an authentic catholicism or an authentic church and i I think people forget that the base word of authentic is authority, you know, and and it, it goes to show mm. you how we yeah, yeah. how bent out of shape we are. We think authentic is this very personal, self-made thing, but for something to be authentic, all it means is it has authority. It's not fake, and that authenticity yeah. means that there's an authority that we all bow to, the, yeah. our Master yeah. Jesus Christ, and that when we start acting like that. If people brush up against us, sometimes that's all it takes to really transform things. Absolutely. And if we bring things full circle, I would then bring it back to how one of the things that's really valuable thinking about detachment is that the virtues that I think are most appealing in any given circumstance are those that are most denied by the world around us. And I think that, or or I would would maybe put it a little bit differently and say that the, the virtues that are most appealing are those which are... Um, the opposite of the vices that are most apparent, and I think attachment is is a vice that is one of the is one of the it's, 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 we wouldn't always put it this way, but I think it's something that absolutely defines the way the world around us works. And so that detachment doesn't have to be like radical desert fathers, you know, eating locusts, going out into you know becoming hermits. It doesn't have to be that. Just those little things, those little acts, those little subversive acts that say we are living differently. And I think those are deeply appealing, and I think that those, um, and I think, as, as you said, those uh, are not only appealing, but those can be um, infectious. Well, Brandon, it's been great. You know, uh, every time we start hitting the 1050 mark, uh, you know, as a radio host, you have to go, should I ask another question? And the and. <laughs> And we know that the guest has been good. If at 11.50 we're like, we better not because we'll talk for 20 more minutes. <laughs> um, so instead of like opening up a question that can take a long time, though, I really want to give you the chance. Where are some pe- places that people can um, interact uh, with your work? And then maybe if you have practical places they can go if they want to learn more about either some of these terms we're throwing out or you know, practical ideas about how to change the way they live. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon McGee, B-R-A-N-D-O-N-M-C-G, and um, you can find my work on my website, BrandonMcGinley.com, um, especially, you know, I do a monthly thing, I do, an, I do a monthly letter from Catholic America for uh, the Scottish Catholic Observer. Um, where can you find, where can you find these conversations? I mean, I'm familiar with where, the, where these conversations happen online, often it's on Twitter, um now uh when it comes to where the conversation is being hosted in longer form um i think you could do a lot worse than the catholic herald which is a uk based publication but is expanding to the united states and so uh, i i see a lot of interesting things going on there 
Um, and, uh, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where I would say I find, I find some of the most interesting conversations that really hit these things in a way that is, um, you know, at, at a, at a high level intellectually while still being very accessible. Well, Brandon, we're always deeply appreciative of your time and, uh, Blessings on your work. Um, I would encourage our listeners, please do check out Detachment Parenting. Digest the, the article for yourself. But thanks for being with us here this morning, Brandon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I should mention Fair Forward, of course, which is the publication where yeah. that article was uh, was published. Uh, a lot of young writers there who have a lot of really interesting things to say. Uh, Jose Mena's article is long, but absolutely worth your time if you want to understand what we're talking about when we say liberalism. Um, so you can find that online, fareforward.com. That's F-A-R-E-F-W-D.com. Fantastic. And, uh, thanks for coming on and, uh, sorry about the Patriots. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah. That, that's more upsetting than anything, honestly. That's more upsetting than losing the Jaguars. You don't get a chance to Patriots. But I'm obviously rooting for the Jaguars, uh, this weekend. This is the most pro Bortles, uh, 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 radio show in, not in Florida. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Well, Bud, I think we gave people uh, quite a bit to chew on. I always hope that um, when you know on the radio that we we give it in uh, the size of morsel that does not choke them as they're driving down the road listening to our show. Yeah, you know, um, on the show we can discuss very big issues, and but when we're having those discussions, of course, I'm always going back to, you know, what the Lord is calling me to, and I I really found Brandon's article challenging when. When we were talking this morning, Bill, I couldn't help but think back to um, in Div School, we had a professor who said, you know, we operate with this fear that our children might have to actually suffer for their Christian convictions, you know? And I know as a Catholic, I can, I can laud the saints and I can talk to my children about the martyrs, but the idea that they might actually have to suffer, you know, that's one way I think that uh, the devil instills fear in us as parents, this kind of like creeping idea, oh, you know, I might I might want to choose that for myself, but I don't want to want to see it affect my family. Right. You might like your kids better because I'm all like, Lord, maybe what they can use is some <laughs> yeah. suffering. So, for instance, can you suffer them to clean up the house? But mostly because I'm lazy and I do not want to clean my own house. But well, uh, folks, we've done it again. Uh, we've plowed through an entire hour. Um, I. Really enjoyed this uh, talk uh, this time. Love to have him on. So we'll have to keep figuring out how to get Brandon back. You know, when we have the All Stars, bud, we have people who keep coming back. Yeah. Um, I wish this is the only time I wish we had like a twelve line studio so we could just have people like just bam, bam, bam. But then I realized the utter chaos of having like all of our All Stars back on. <laughs> I know. I I've thought about that. Like, um, you know, when I moved to Pittsburgh, you guys kind of did the. Um, the wrap-up show yeah and annually it'd be fun to do something like the finale of seinfeld where we brought all of these all-stars together but it, it could prove to be too chaotic yeah, jeb is already grimacing and thinking about buying a real eagle to uh to hurt us attack for, us yeah that's right well as always friends if you want to uh grow in your faith we have plenty of opportunities here with iowa catholic radio um you can listen at 5 a.m each day uh to bible in a year but what else can they uh interact with with the, the radio station I want to get this right. The rosary is right before our show, right, at 9.30? Yes. And so there's constant opportunities for prayer. I know we do the Divine Mercy Chaplet um, at 3 p.m. on Fridays, I believe. So um, please use Iowa Catholic Radio as a way to grow deeper in your faith. And always, as always, uh, you know, Bud and I are just the 
the pretty voices, the birds in a cage singing uh, right. the, the mockingbird songs. But that does not mean that we are by any means the, 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 the sum total of the ministry. Not only do we have uh, the wonderful board work of Jeb and Tony, all the people in the office, you yourselves are part of this ministry as well. And if you feel called to join our ministry by donating, please always remember us. Uh, we are a nonprofit. And uh, if you send in money to keep in this ministry, remember that radio can even penetrate prison walls and all sorts of people can hear this. And so when, if you do, and if you've been giving, we want to thank you. So this has been The Uncommon Good. Uh, so for Bud and myself, may Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, in our family, in our cities, our state, the nation, the entire world, the entire universe. This is The Uncommon Good. Folks, we will see you next week. God bless. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard Wednesdays at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio and on the official Iowa Catholic Radio app.